I'm going to start off with the statement that Dion Fortune made, that all gods are one god, all goddesses are one goddess, and there is one initiator, which is fine, until you start giving your gods and goddesses names. And once you start that, you have someone saying, ah, but that isn't the name of God, the name of God is so-and-so. And then you have a war to, uh, to decide what the name of God is. These three beings, the God, the Goddess, and the Initiator, are one, actually. The male and female side of the one who is the creator. Now the ancient people always believed on this subject of names that if you had the name or if you knew the name it gave you power over it. And gradually this came to mean that the name itself was power which is why there were wars fought in the names of certain gods. They would fight, they would enslave, they would ridicule. And that was bad enough when it was only gods. But when you started talking about goddesses, then you, you had real problems much later on. To start off with, all ancient civilizations worshipped a goddess. There weren't any gods at all. The, the earliest goddess we know was the, the goddess of Ur, who's who was, whose name was Tiamat and she was known as the bitter sea and the savage. She was a creating, destroying goddess, as all goddesses are. Later in development, people thought that the very nature of the word god meant that this deity had to be male. But, as I say, to begin with, they were all female. And it wasn't until man started to worship the sun and fire that this problem arose. While they were worshipping the earth, the moon and water, everyone was quite happy to have a female deity. The people who continued to, to worship the moon, the water, and the earth, and therefore a female deity, were considered to be wrong, confused, downright wicked, and later sinners. The concept of sin was quite late on in the short history of mankind. We know that the, the first female, not the biblical one, who, the one whose genes we all carry, Eve, we don't all carry the same genes from Adam. Eve was a person. They're, they're, they're the bones that they have found in, in the desert in Africa of the oldest female hominid. They have called Eve. In the old Hebrew, the words Y-H-V-H actually mean Eve. I am Eve, I am life, I am woman. 
that's the secret name of the, the Jewish God. The reason it's secret is because such a paternalistic religion would not like it to be known that their <clears throat> the name of their actual God was female. Now, we're going back in history. Uh, we're going back to the time when everyone lived in forests. It's not difficult because until recorded history, most of the world was actually covered with forest. But the climate was much milder, and so in the forest there was enough food to support the, the hominids who were beginning to develop. They obviously lived, to begin with, up in the canopy. And your first wise woman was the woman who knew what to do when people slid down the trees. Uh, if you've ever seen anyone actually fall out of a coconut tree or slide down the trunk of a coconut tree, you will know that the injuries are horrendous. They look fairly smooth going up, but coming down, they're anything but. And the skin can be ripped from the stomach and the arms and the legs very quickly. So you have to have someone who knows just exactly what to use to try and heal these dreadful wounds. And then there were the, the breaks from falling out of the trees. They weren't as agile as the apes. They weren't as well balanced as the apes. They couldn't hang on to things like the apes. And so they fell and they broke limbs. And your wise woman was the one who, who knew what to use. She couldn't use comfrey as we, we would normally use comfrey now because in a, a thick forest you don't find the stuff. We don't know very much about their, their worship, about their religion. But from very early on, there was this idea of worshipping the earth, trees, water, the concept of the sacredness of all these things, uh, the moon and the mother. The mother was the earth. Uh, the mother was the pervading goddess of nearly every society for a very, very long time. All the wise women were servants of, priestesses of the mother. Even in the, the shamanic traditions, this is the same. When man left the shelter of the upper canopy, it seems to be because of the helpless, helplessness of the human baby. Young apes can hold on tightly from a very, very young age. Human babies can't. They have no strength in their arms. They are blind for a long time. And they just don't have the ability to cling. So the humanists had to come down out of the canopy 
and start walking. Now, if you are carrying something as opposed to having it cling to you, you have to start walking upright. You can't walk very far, bent over like this, holding something that also has to have its head being kept up. So this is why the humankind started to walk upright. They also, of course, had to carry other things while they were carrying their babies. And so the species developed gradually, walking upright more and more. And they found that, that all, whenever they had to carry things, because when you're up in the trees, you can reach for a banana or you can reach for a coconut or you can reach for a pineapple. No, pineapple's gone on the ground. Other things that grow in the, in, the, in the trees you can reach for. But when you have to carry water a long way and you have to carry fruit and you eventually have to carry wood, you, you must walk upright. The habitat changed with the climate, and so the diet changed too. The, the knowledge of the herbs and the way to heal was passed down always through the female line. So we, as, as servants of the, the goddess, servants of the mother, date our ancestry back a very long way. And these, these women, obviously, were the wise ones. They had to know which herbs to use, the barks of which to use as bandages, tourniquets. They, they basically were not clothed at this time. They had no uh, fabric. And so it was always the barks of trees that could be stripped off and the inner bark used as bandages. And this, this was passed down. Now, I say mother to daughter and granddaughter, but I, I will clarify that a little later on. Women carried this because they were always there. This is how the, all societies were based early on, on a female-dominated society with the men going off and doing other things, mostly not living in the, the tribal compound at all, uh, visiting occasionally. They weren't hunters at this point. Uh, they didn't become hunters for quite a long time. Everybody thinks of, of the men going out and doing the hunting, but this was quite a lot. They didn't, didn't have the wherewithal to hunt. They weren't fast enough, they weren't strong enough, and they didn't have the weapons. That came much later. He was a gatherer. He was sometimes a scavenger. And the first thing he developed as a weapon was a sling, apart from throwing stones and knocking things on the head when he, when he managed to catch them. He eventually developed a, a sling, which was a very good weapon. 
and they would go out and do this. They, they were basically not meat eaters at this point. The leader of the tribe, as I say, was the wise woman, and she knew the times of the moon phases because basically they corresponded with her own menstruation. And the, the menstruation of the women in the tribe was an extremely important thing. And most of the, the work was based on how the women's or the moon phases were, were in the sky at the time. Uh, she knew that water changes its quality with the moon. Certain water is not good for healing. Certain water obviously is not good for drinking. So it was up to the wise woman to know which water she could use. Again, the, the herbs and the roots, she had to know which ones to eat. When they moved their habitat, it was the wise woman's responsibility to find out which of the new plants they would come across were edible, which could be used as medicines. And so she had to have her apprentice with her because she had to taste these things. And if she died because they were highly poisonous, the apprentice had to be there to know how much she'd taken the plant cuckoo pint with the lily-shaped leaf and the, the, the stalk that comes up with the orange berries. Now, most of that is highly poisonous, and you can be very sick, and if you eat enough of it, you will die. But you can eat the root like, to, uh, like potatoes. And somebody had to find that out. And that was this poor lady's problem, finding out which part of the, the one you could use. I mentioned daughters and granddaughters. This is a very loose description. Possibly her daughter would have no aptitude, no memory, no common sense, insufficient curiosity a dislike of being made sick by strange plants, a dislike of getting her feet wet, or any number of reasons why she should not, in fact, become a wise woman. And so your wise woman had to watch as the girls grew up to see which ones had the aptitude, which ones had the curiosity, which ones had the common sense and which ones had the, the curiosity? And that is an important part of being a wise woman. What will happen if I use that instead of that? What will happen if I use just a little bit more of that than is normally accepted? This, this is what actually makes up your wise woman. I was saying to Michael coming over about the difference between witchcraft and wicca. Wicca is um, a modern word. 
Well, it's not a modern word, it's an Anglo-Saxon word. But it's been used by, by Gardner and Alexanders and the people who came after him as a description of what witches are, because people didn't like to be called witches. It doesn't mean wise woman. It does actually mean witch. Whether it's spelt with an E or whether it's spelt with an A, it means either a male or a female witch. But as it's Anglo-Saxon, and the Anglo-Saxons did not like witches, they were very, very superstitious, and they thought that uh, witches were quite, quite beyond the pale. But we'll go back to our tribe for a minute. They'd now come out of the, the forest, and before them was a plain. It wasn't a very big plain, because remember, most of the country, most of the world was still covered with trees. But they saw much further than they were used to seeing. They saw daylight properly. They saw the sun rise and set. The moon means a lot in the forest because the daylight is filtered and at night in the forest it's very dark unless the moon is shining. An Irishman once said that they worshipped the moon instead of the sun because the moon was shining in the dark. And the sun was either there or not, so it didn't really matter about the sun. It seems possible that this was the time when they saw fire for the first time. It's much easier to see fire when there are no trees or when they're very thin than it is in, in tall, thick forest. It sort of gets lost unless it really takes hold and it gets too close to you. But if you see fire on a plane, you can see it for quite a long way. And this was something new to them. They must have been absolutely terrified at first because this was something that ate all the country round. It would have been natural fire, it would have been fire that was caused by um, flash lightning or something of that nature. And it would have been something that they totally did not understand. Eventually they came to worship it. Eventually they came to use it. But to start off with it was something that they did not know about. And having also met fire, they also met big predators. Now there are lots of predators in the jungle. There are cats, there are certain types of monkey, there are snakes, and if you fall into a river there are crocodiles. But on a plain, when it's hot, you have big cats. And big cats, they found, were dangerous. They were fast, and they had sharp claws and very sharp teeth. And luckily, they found, that these people, that the cats were actually more frightened of fire than they were. So they began to use it as a weapon. The, the trouble with it, of course, is that 
in order to keep a cat off with a stick that's flaming, you've got to keep swinging the stick around, which gets tiring. And the cats eventually learned that they could sit down and watch this idiot swinging his stick around, and eventually it would go out, and then they could kill him, because he had no, no way of defending himself, apart from the stick, which actually wasn't much good against their claws and their teeth. Now, this is very relevant to the old craft, because this is where the, the circle comes from. If you are going to sleep, and you are going to be, you fear that you might be attacked by something large with teeth and claws, you need to be surrounded by things you can throw at it, or set fire to if you have the fire to set fire to it with. But you surround yourselves with a, a ring of stones to start off with. When you try to keep the cat off you, you're swinging it round in a circle. You, you, if you lie down in the, in the open, you have got to protect yourself all round. And gradually, you get people surrounding themselves with a bank or um, a hedge of sticks with, which they can set fire to, which again is fine so long as they've got enough to last the night. Otherwise, the cats sit there and twiddle their thumbs until it's time for the fire to go out and then they pounce. You can see how this defensive circle developed through the whole of humanity and so that defensive circle became very much part of the old religion. You, you built up your circle every time you wanted to do any work at all. This is another thing that your wise woman was, was because she was the keeper of the flame, she would be the one to direct the building of the, the hedge and the one to set fire to it if it was necessary. The men came back into the camp at this time and they spent most of their time napping flint. They, they weren't actually concerned with the spiritual development of the tribe. Not until they started hunting. The women were still mostly occupied with, with birth and death. And this is where, again, the, the, the wise woman had a lot of her power from because she was the one who presided over birth and death. These were mysteries that people didn't actually understand. They didn't really know where babies came from, we are told. I don't think they were that stupid, but we are told they didn't really know this. Um, they didn't know what happened to you after you died. So they had to be eased into the, uh, the next life. They weren't afraid of it, but they were a little bit worried. They weren't, didn't have the fear of death that we have, which is instilled in us. They weren't 
too pleased about the idea of dying, I shouldn't think, except when they were very ill or when they had been badly wounded, when they were sort of very quietly put to sleep. Again, by your wise woman, they didn't have any sentimentality about life and death. If you had someone who was very ill and you were going to have to move camp, it would not only cause that person great grief to be moved, but it would also hold up the tribe, and there were times when the tribe had to move fast. So you had to have someone who had the responsibility for terminating that life. But you mustn't think of it in the way that we think of terminating a life, because that's not the way they thought of it. When they got out onto the plain, they would find that in the aftermath of the fire, there were the remains of animals, which had been cooked. And they, they got quite a, um, a taste for cooked meat. When they tried to kill the animals themselves, they, they didn't do very well to begin with, simply because, as I say, they were too slow, they were too weak, and they had no weapons. Once they began to develop the weapons, spears in the fire, sharp, uh, the sh points sharpened in the fire, the sling, then they could kill. They were never a match for the big cats. They were never a match for the wolves which were much faster and much stronger. But they learned from the big cats, and they learned from the wolves. And gradually, they became hunters. And first of all, the women hunted as well as the men. Again, it was much further on in the development that only the men hunted. The reason we are more apt to eat joints of meat is because after the big cats had had their share, that is what was left. The cats always go for the soft middle. And the, what was left and what the smaller predators went for and the ones that man could actually drive off were the legs and the back. So we are more likely to eat joints of meat than we were to eat the, the, what we, we call offal, except when you had a hero in the tribe, again, much later on in its development, the hero's portion was the liver, something that he would never have got unless he hunted the thing himself, hunted it and killed it. Men at this time were concerned with making tools and weapons. The women made the... they did practically everything else. They were the gatherers. They were the... Um, after about 3,000, they were the, the or 3,000 BC, they were the ones who did the planting. Um, they were the ones who made the, 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 the fabric. They were the ones who dyed the, 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 um, the berries. 
Think of the wise woman. She is there to be consulted. And someone comes up to her with, in a very cross way, she has made this piece of cloth and she's sat down on it and it's got stained by berries. And she says, why is it that when I sit down on the berry, I get a stain? When I try to use the berry to dye the wool, it washes out. What can we use to make it, to make the dye stay? So this is something else the wise woman had to learn. Qualities of herbs change, not only with the, the state of the moon, but with the state of the year. Nettles. I have spoken many times, as Scarlet knows, on nettles. They are wonderful things. They're wonderful food, they're wonderful this, they're wonderful that, they're wonderful medicine. And it's a pity that everybody hates the things. I know they're a nuisance and I know they sting you, but um, even the sting is, is quite good in many ways. You make wonderful fabric from the stalks after you've taken the leaves off. Don't ever be fooled into the old idea that if you strip it off quickly with your hand, it won't sting. I've tried it and it does. It stings a lot. You may not feel it so much, especially if you do it hard, as they say. Strip it off hard. For about three hours, you won't feel a thing and then you won't be able to live with your hand because it, it hurts. But having taken all your leaves off to use as soup or as salads or as some um, tea or whatever, you then have a nice long stalk. And that is just about the length of a piece or the width of a piece of cloth. And if you pound that stalk, you will find that there are very fine fibres running through it. That is what was first woven to make cloth. It dyes very well. It's very strong and it's quite soft. But you can eat the nettle, you can drink the, a drink from the nettle until around about midsummer when its chemical balance totally changes and you cannot then drink it. You can't drink a tea made from it then. It doesn't taste so good in soup. It's marvellous compost, but it is not good to eat. So this is something else that had to be found out. When men started to, to hunt as the male part of the tribe, they then started having their own wise men. They, they started learning all the magic of the hunt and it was always considered to be magic you had to revere the animal that you were going to to hunt and kill you had to wor worship its spirit really and this was all part of the the new male religion and you had then 
the two wise people in the tribe working together as a balance. And this is where you really started getting a development. When you started getting a balance of female knowledge and male knowledge working together. I want to, want to just say to you that now about people sitting round the, the fires. When, when you see this, again, you see it on films, you, you see the men sitting round, round having their council. But to start off with, it wasn't just the men, it was the whole tribe. It was, the tribes were too small for just the men to, to be doing this. You had to have your wise woman and your wise man with the rest of the tribe, male and female, all the way around, balancing each other. Unfortunately, the women were having to, to get up and look at the pot, get up and feed the baby, get up, see what the youngsters were doing. And gradually, they were excluded. So that now, in Western news, you get your, your men sitting around beating their totem drums and uh, doing, doing their uh, work for the tribe. And the same idea is the giving of women to strangers. This again started with the women, I'm afraid. They had heard all the stories that their men could tell about the one that got away, how long it took to get through that forest, how deep that river was, what we have to do to get through um, or to catch this particular animal. And along comes a stranger who looks quite different. And so it might be fun to see how the stranger operates. So they go trotting off with a stranger. It was the women's prerogative to decide who they mated with. Gradually, it was turned round. And it became the men's prerogative to decide who the women were going to mate with. This basically was when, when man decided that he wanted to know, you know, the, the old saying that it's a wise man who knows his own son, and it's a wise son who knows his own father. This didn't matter at all when this was a matriarchal society. The, the women had the children, they belonged to the tribe, and the men really didn't count. But having gone through all, all the, these changes, they came back together again for a long time as a balance. But gradually, the, the worship of the sun and the worship of fire, the fire became the prerogative of the men. The men carried the fire sticks, the men carried the fire pots around. And so the women lost that particular edge that they had in the tribe. And the, the wise woman became, eventually, the, the sidekick, really, of, the, of the, the, the man who became a priest. She, she always kept something back. She never, ever let him know all her secrets. She kept back the potions that she could give to a woman who was fed up to the back teeth with having a baby every nine months. She kept back the, um, the potions that would 
reduced the men's libidos so that the women could have a rest. She kept back the whole thing of conception. And so she became not a wise woman, but a witch. And once again, this became far more necessary as the, as the worship of the, the gentle moon turned into the, the worship of the, the sun, which was much more strong, much more male-orientated. Only a woman could preside over a, a lunar altar. And this was because only a woman could put natural blood on the lunar altar. I have this sort of half-remembered dream of a man coming into a circle and asking to be a priest of the goddess. And he was told, you can't, because you can't put blood on the altar. He thought about this for a while, and then he picked up the nearest living creature, whether it was a child or an animal, and he slit its throat. And he said, oh yes, I can, and poured the blood on the altar. And that's where you got your first animal and human sacrifices. From the blood of the ram to the Mithraic blood of the bull and from the slaughter of animals to the slaughter of other tribes in the name of God, this has gone on. Witches were accused of a whole long list of things. The list was compiled by the Inquisition. This is coming into remembered history now. Uh, and they, they used it first on the Cathars, and then on the Templars, and then later on the witches. One of the things they were actually accused of was washing. The odour of sanctity was the odour of pure filth. And people who washed were considered to be antichrist. When witches crept away to their meetings, they, uh, they always washed. And so they were quite easy to pick out of a crowd. Uh, people did not wash in the Middle Ages. And to see someone who was actually clean took her out of the normal run of things. Why is she clean? Why is she not lousy like the rest of us? Why is she not stinking as we do? And this made her different. The idea of, of broomsticks is, is an amusing one, really. And it begins with the, with the Templars. Uh, when they were finally put down by Philip, they, because he wanted their money, basically, they had to have something to tell their torturers. They didn't want to tell the torturers the real secrets of being a Templar. So they made things up. Now, they had spent a long time in the Middle East where there were stories of flying carpets. So this was the thing, they, one of the things that they, they told their torturers. We know the secrets of making carpets fly. And if you get on this carpet, we will make it fly for you, uh, which no inquisitor would have done. But when they came to, to using the same methods on witches, they couldn't use carpets because witches were poor. They lived in little hovels. And the only thing they had on their floor were herbs and dust. 
and fleas and lice. But they swept them out with a besom. And so the, the, uh, the inquisitors had this lovely idea that they actually rode on these besoms because they didn't have any carpets to ride on. Now, I don't know whether witches actually flew. They were supposed to have had this flying ointment, which would certainly make you hallucinate and would certainly give you a rash, but whether it would actually make you levitate, I really wouldn't like to say. I don't think they flew on broomsticks. They didn't fly on stalks of ragwort, and they didn't float down rivers in eggshells. Um, so you are quite safe to, um, to break both sides of your egg. No witch is going to drown because you do. I'm going to tell you some of the, the things that uh, witches were actually accused of. They were accused with consorting with the enemies of the state. This was in the time of Elizabeth. Now, as they spoke a very broad dialect, and most of the enemies of the state would be French, they probably couldn't have communicated anyway. So it would have been rather difficult for them to have been enemies of the state. And in any case, they had got rid of the Armada, if you remember, by standing on the cliffs and throwing their go-away powder into the, into the channel and saying, you can't come, and causing up winds which blew the Armada off course. They also did this in 1940. They were accused of uh, causing sterility. Now, apart from the examples that I've already given, the potions they would give to, to people to uh, prevent them conceiving at every con conceivable time, the, the craft is a fertility cult, and we regard children as the gifts of the goddess, and therefore a good thing on the whole, until they get to about four or five, when they stop being a good thing and usually become a damn nuisance. Uh, they were accused of whipping themselves. When you consider the amount of whipping that went on in monasteries, it's a bit like the pot calling the kettle black. And you had the, the flagell flagellators or something or other who used to go around the, the towns whipping themselves and all in the name of, of, of a very, very nice chap. They, they had a, a diabolical parody of Christian forms. And these forms were supposed to be the Trinity, Communion, the Virgin, Jesus, worshipping idols. Now, we had our Trinity ever such a long time before Christianity had theirs. Only ours was female. It was made mother and crone. We had our Communion long before Christianity. We had the Virgin Goddess from the year Dot. Her names are many. And she was uh, a leader of the hunt. She was the, the moon in its crescent form. Uh, she was the beginning of things. We had a diabolical parody of Jesus. Well, every witch I know regards Jesus as one of the great teachers. And I think he's always be, been regarded as one of the great teachers. Worshipping idols? Have you ever been into 
Catholic church with all the idols around and all the medieval churches were full of idols. We were accused of worshipping trees and stones and wells. Well, we certainly had uh, revered the spirits of the trees and we certainly thought stones were really rather special, especially if they had crystal in and especially if it happened to be quartz. Wells were all taken over by various Christian saints. Most of them were male, which we find is rather strange because all wells are, again, part of the Virgin and bring forth something which is a very female thing. There, there's one down in St. Abbas, which is St. Augustine's well. And I'm sure he would have been horrified at the thought of, of having a, a pagan well rechristened after, uh, in his name. At the risk of repeating myself, we had the, the Trinity, the Maid, Mother and Crone, quite early. This is, we do not worship the moon. Witches and wise women and the people in the past did not worship the moon. What the moon is, is a symbol of the growing, the fullness and the decline and that's all it is. We may use those symbols quite a lot, but they are not, we do not worship the symbols. We were accused of making a pact with the devil, but we don't believe in the devil. What's the, uh, uh, the way he is depicted as Pan with the horns? He's the god of the greenwood, the god of growing things, the god of our younger brethren. The best description of Pan, and again, I, you will forgive me for repeating myself, you will find in uh, the chapter, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn, which is in The Wind in the Willows. And that is not only a beautiful piece of English, but a beautiful description of the god of the greenwood, the piper, the one who takes care. We were accused of reciting the Lord's Prayer backwards. Now, there is a very good reason for this. The very poor people of the country were screwed by the church. It didn't matter what their uh, what their other landlords did, the church was a terrible landlord and would never do a thing for the people. And they came to feel that a lot of the ills that came to them came from saying this particular prayer, which they regarded as a spell. And the way you unwind a spell is to say it backwards. If anyone tells you a spell and it does you harm, the way you undo the harm is to learn it backwards and say it backwards. And that is why the prayer was said in that way. Frequenting churchyards. 
They didn't ever go into churches. They didn't defile churches. They did go to churchyards because that was where the sacred site of the area was. Now, the, the church had been built on it, but they didn't want to have anything to do with the church. They wanted to go to the circle. And most <coughs> ancient churchyards are circular. That is where they wanted to do their rites. And all the ideas of people rising up from behind the, the stones and going ooh a lot and frightening the blazes out of people is because they stationed new incomers to the craft to do just this. They were always considered to glow in the dark and the way you get people to glow in the dark is to smear them with rotten fish, which is also why they sounded, smelled as though they were decaying. So you had these people running around the churchyard or rising from behind the, the stones, going, woo, and smelling dreadful. And it kept the, the local population away so that they could get on with, with their right, um, which were mostly done at night. I think that that's all that, that I can say about what they accused us of. They, they, um, one of the things you must remember is that most of the people who were arraigned for witchcraft were not witches. They were just poor, old women who had nothing going for them at all. They had no protection against what was done to them. When they got hold of a real witch like Mother Shipton, she frightened the heck out of them. She said, okay, you can torture me, but I won't feel it. You will. And it's one thing to torture someone if they're going to start screaming. It's quite another thing to torture them if you're going to start screaming. So she was let, to go, let go very quickly. Nowadays, and always, witches are not mystics. Because witches and the wise women of old have to be practical. They have to have their feet on the ground. We leave all the mysticism to the men who call themselves magicians. We keep our feet on the ground and we are practical. We use our common sense because the cult of the goddess is an earth cult. It's a religion of the earth and by its very nature has to be practical. Over a lot of years, a witch learns a lot of stuff, as did the people who went before her. She learns about the weather, she learns about herbs, she learns about tribal law, she learns about the season, she learns about the aberrations of climate, she learns about where the stars are, and she might also learn about crystals and the tarot and various kinds of divination, not the Ouija board. And she learns how to interpret dreams, and she learns how to read palms, and she learns how to do lots and lots of other things. My mother was psychic. She was very psychic. I am thankful that I am not. <laughs> My mother had a hell of a time during the war. 
because we had a lot of men billeted with us who were going to die and she knew they were going to die and it made life very uncomfortable for her indeed and I'm thankful that I cannot see a thing but you can do all these things you can read tarots you can read palms you can read bumps in the head you can do all these things without being a witch and a witch can be a witch without being able to do any of them um, it's how you feel in your mind one of the things that you must learn and what they had to learn is about seasons the state of the moon so that she knew whether she could go and pick her herbs from the north side of the hedge with her left hand at dawn. It's not a good idea if you want to dry the herbs to pick them at dawn because they're usually full of dew and they will go mouldy. It's better to actually pick them with your right hand or with a pair of scissors at noon when they've dried off. I was told once that uh, no witch would ever use metal to cut herbs which is a load of nonsense, because if you, you try to use anything else, you're going to damage the, the herb. I, I'm not quite sure what he expected us to use. And uh, the idea of not using metal is pre-Celtic. And we've actually come on a bit since then. We don't have a particular day of the week which we regard as sacred, because we regard every day as sacred. Uh, we do have certain times of the year which we, we regard as sacred. Apart from the goddess, who is four-faced, not just three, everybody forgets the dark goddess because she literally scares people. She is the goddess of death and rebirth. And you must remember the rebirth because we also believe in reincarnation. Because all the wise women from right at the beginning have tried to achieve balance, we also believe in a God. You may not think it from what I've been saying, but I actually do believe in a God. And he is a Janus figure. He's a God both facing both ways. He is the Dark Lord, the Lord of the Holly, Hearn the Hunter in the winter. And he is the Oak Lord, the Lord of Light. Um the laughing god of the greenwood in the summer. He is the same chap facing both ways. In this part of the world, he is always depicted with, with stag horns. It, he was depicted in the Mediterranean with, as a goat, mainly because of the forage. In the summer, there's very little forage for anything but goats in, in the hotter parts of the Mediterranean. And this is where the idea of Pan came from originally. He is depicted as a bull in Crete. And the bullfight in Spain is a degraded form of the, the worship of the bull. It's a fertility cult. And I know, I've never understood whether those chaps who wear those suits of lights understand that what they're doing is taking part in a fertility cult. I'm sure they don't. And the green man is seen on the bosses of churches, underneath the, the roofs of churches, and he's seen as giving birth to the greenery of the forest. That's the, the green that comes, the, the, 
um, branches that come out of his mouth. But we'd, we'd work exactly the way our predecessors worked, except for the birth and death thing. Unless we happen to be midwives, we can't really uh, preside over births and deaths. But we are still asked for herbal remedies, because people are getting more and more fed up with, uh, with the drugs they're given by doctors. And I like to think that I work in the same way as those old women. I work with the tides, I work with nature, and my job is like theirs, listening to people, and listening, and listening again. And then thinking about what they're saying, and usually not saying very much, because whatever advice I will give them, they will probably ignore. And most of all, what I'm doing is using my common sense. And that really is what witchcraft is all about. And always has been. <laughs>